Welcome one, welcome all to the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back to talk NFC East. This is Matt Jordan on the mic. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping to, to take this episode off. Brandon told me I had to talk about the <laughs> NFC East. Um, but, uh, you know, Brandon you, is you, here you to... You know uh, that is a lie. You have been looking forward to this <laughs> since we started these. I actually had to... You kept saying, let's talk the NFC East. I'm like, no, no, we'll save it. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's just so so many fun things to talk about um, in this absolutely terrible division. Um, so you know the the funny thing is, and we'll we'll get into this. Um, you know, sometimes bad football teams can still make for really good fantasy, and there's a lot yeah. of really interesting fantasy players to talk about in the NFC East, uh, despite the fact that the teams themselves have been nothing to write home about uh, for a while now. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Matt, Matt Jordan and Brandon Cross as always. Brandon, how are you doing? Good, good. Football is back. We're, we're ready to go here. I think we're coming up to the final preseason game, which I think usually that final preseason game is one that hasn't been noteworthy, but now that it's only three, you're starting to see more teams treat it like that dress rehearsal. So um, I think there'll be plenty. If you haven't drafted yet, this is a weekend to pay close attention to I think teams will tip their hands a little bit more in terms of playing time and where they see players fitting um so I think this this will be a fun weekend of football yeah I agree I mean so you know we're starting to obviously already see some of those dominoes fall um you know so last uh episode when we were talking about some training camp notes we did talk about quarterback battles one of those dominoes has fallen. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was named the starter for Denver. Yep. Uh, certainly, we you know we kind of analyzed what that would look like last time, um, but I think we're going to have more of these falling. You know, like um, we we didn't talk about this one specifically, but uh, Urban Meyer made the brave decision to start <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. I was stunned by that. Um, you know, he really Urban had me going for a while there. I was like, man, this is this is quite the training camp battle. Uh, between the generational quarterback and the mustache man. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Gardner is someone to watch, though. I, I would not be shocked if they didn't trade him before the start of the season. I think that you always want to have a veteran backup, but at the same time, I think if there's an injury this weekend, I think Gardner would be at the top of the list for people to trade for. So... You know, the, the funny thing is, I mean, because I agree with you, um, and you want to have someone like that. Um, I think with with Gardner, he he needs to be mentored by Ryan Fitzpatrick, not just because of the fantastic <laughs> hair, um, but like, you know, Fitzpatrick kind of turned his uh, shtick, if you will, over time into like a super lovable, you know, like he goes to all these places, yeah. the fans love him. Um, his teammates love him. And I feel like that has not been the case so far for Gardner. Um, but I think he can get there. You know, like there's a lot about him that seems like it could be extremely likable. You know, like he's a very uh, eccentric personality, clearly. Um, I, I think he can get to this place, but he needs to find his way over to Washington or, you know, one of the next five teams that Ryan Fitzpatrick is on. Um, <clears throat> get that tutelage become that kind of lovable, weird facial hair guy. I, you, you've got this, Gardner. 
Um, but th- there's uh, probably one, I think, noteworthy piece of news uh, that, that yeah. did fall, something that we've alluded to on the podcast, but then finally became a reality. Uh, Sony Michelle did get traded to the Rams uh, for two picks. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that I saw this happening via trade, but we did bring up Sony Michelle's name yeah. and talking about the New England backfield and the Denver backfield as ones to watch, um, you know, as uh, potential players that could end up with the Rams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Brandon, I'm really interested in your perspective on this. How does this affect Daryl Henderson? Do you see Sony Michelle as having value? What's your breakdown on this situation? So it, it is funny that when you look at his stats, like, last year he didn't get a lot of work but he was very efficient with what he got he he was having one of his better seasons um yeah so I don't you're, you're talking per touch numbers and he was one yeah, of like yeah. the three most efficient at least in terms of like yardage um yep. per touch running backs in the nfl um just to your point like on relatively yeah. few touches yeah so like you would hope that like if he gets a increased workload then he he would have some value he could be a low-end rb2 um it's just we don't know what the roles are going to be between henderson and sony michelle and and sean mcveigh's already come out and said daryl henderson's a big part of our offense um i I think that and and we kind of talked about this daryl henderson's not someone that can shoulder all of the work like there is going to be a split here there was always going to be a split here Henderson was going to give up carries to Xavier Jones and Jake Funk who at this point now are just not even worth rostering I I don't think that there's any value to either of those players at this point would you call Um, them defunct yeah they are (laughs) defunct Um, you felt good about that one (laughs) yeah we'll go with that (laughs) Um, but it it will be interesting just for full transparency I jumped and grabbed Sony Michelle off of the waiver wire I think that he has upside especially like if Henderson goes down if he gets hurt then I mean Sony Michelle becomes an RB2 in that regards Henderson's already dealing with a thumb sprain which I think kind of like got the ball rolling for what the Rams wanted to do um, so I think Michelle's worth rostering. I don't know if he's worth starting at this point until there is some clarity, especially maybe like see how they do week one and then week two, if he's getting most of the work, you can start him then. Um, so, I mean, I think that's kind of where I'm landing with them. I, and the Patriots backfield also gets some clarity now, which I think is something that people really aren't talking about. Now it's, I mean, it was always Damian Harris, like he was kind of going to be the feature back, but now the rookie Stevenson has looked really good, and he has a clear path to some touches now as well. So it feels like it's one of those win-wins, like the Patriots were going to have to get rid of Michelle to to provide some clarity there. The Rams now have a a clear um, 1-2, and you can kind of move forward knowing the roles as they are. Yeah, I love that. I think the um, <clears throat> the only thing that I would add is I, I do still think that Daryl Henderson is the guy here. I think that this will be eerily reminiscent of what we saw early last year before Cam Akers kind of came back and, and took the backfield over mm-hmm. in the final few games of the year. 
where essentially it was kind of a slop fest, you know, like you had some games where Henderson was getting like a ton of work, other Mm -hmm. games where it was a carousel of Akers, Henderson, Mac Brown, you know, all this. Um, Yeah. We we could be in for one of those where um, it's uh, a little bit dicey game to game. Um, I still think that Henderson's the guy to have here. Uh, you know, I think we we did try to yeah. provide a little bit of warning that we thought something was going to fall here. With that being said, though, I honestly think that this is a best case scenario for Daryl Henderson. And what I mean by that is I still think Sony Michelle is a 1B to Henderson's 1A. And if Henderson mm-hmm. can stay healthy, I still think he's the guy. I still think he's probably going to get the receiving work and the more valuable touches in the backfield unless Michelle gets all of the goal line work. Um it, this could have been worse. If, if this was Melvin Gordon, this would have been way worse for the Daryl Henderson mm-hmm. people because um, then this would have been Gordon's backfield. Um, but with Michelle, I still think that Henderson, as McVay put it, is a big part of this. Yeah, I, I think that before this trade, it was going to be a 70-30 split. Like Henderson was going to get 70% and then 30%. I now think it's probably going to be like a 60-40. And... But now you have Sony Michelle getting that forty percent compared to it get that thirty percent getting split between Xavier Jones and um, Jake Funk. Like so again, it provides clarity. I think there's value with Sony Michelle. I think there's still value with Daryl Henderson. I drop Henderson slightly down, just having that veteran back. Um, but it's not like I'm afraid to draft Henderson. I just may wait around from where I was thinking I would get him. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. 100% with you on that. Um, We didn't have any other uh, big news coming up, so I think we'll jump into the NFC East. Uh, But Brandon and I are going to be putting out um, one final training camp kind of notes and updates next week, um, and we'll hit any other major things that need to be covered um, to kind of get you ready down the stretch here before your drafts, uh, before we hit week one. So we will start with the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Thanks for that, Jerry. Um, So the Cowboys, uh, you know, in the first five weeks or so last year uh, when Dak was healthy, I mean, this team was incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean that in all the best and worst ways. Um, Fantasy-wise, I mean, this could not be any prettier. Football-wise, like including defense and special teams, um, just horrific. Um, but you know, what, what I think it proved is that you can't put a bad enough team on the field that Dak Prescott will not try to will his team <laughs> to that win anyway. I mean, Dak played incredible football, absolutely incredible. Um, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see, I think, you know, what, what the deal is here as he's come back from that kind of horrific leg injury, now he's got the weird baseball shoulder issue that he's yeah. dealing with. You know, I, I think if you're a fan of football, and I can say this even as a Giants fan who generally <laughs> despises the Cowboys, um, it's really hard to not like Dak Prescott. I mean, this is a super likable guy, really talented quarterback. Um, you know, and I think for fantasy purposes, we all have to hope that Dak is healthy because if he is – that's going to make all these other ADPs we're about to talk about look really good. Um, so with that in mind, let's jump right into it. Uh, Zeke is at RB8. Amari Cooper is at wide receiver 14. 
CD Lamb is at wide receiver 16, right on his heels. Um, Dak is listed at QB6. Michael Gallup at wide receiver 48. Tony Pollard at running back 43. Greg the Leg, if you play kickers, kicker 11. Blake Jarwin at tight end 27. Dalton Schultz, his replacement from last year at tight end 33. Jalen Smith at linebacker 10. Micah Parsons, their first round pick, uh, linebacker 12. Keanu Neal, um, former uh, (laughs) defensive back stud of the Mm -hmm. Falcons, following Dan Quinn over to Dallas, apparently now a linebacker. Maybe they're starting three down linebacker. (laughs) Um, He is listed at DB3 here, um, but I guess what Brandon and I would say is, uh, you know, check, you know, your platform. Um, It does seem like Dallas has converted him full-time to linebacker. If that's the case, he might lose his DB designation. Um, That might not matter. I mean, he might be worth it at linebacker anyway, Um, but if he's still listed as a DB, that is a pure cheat code. Um, Donovan (laughs) Wilson, DB17, Demarcus Lawrence, DL17, Uh, apparently Paxton Lynch is a Dallas Cowboy. News to me. Uh, QB55. Um, Who's drafting Paxton Lynch? Like, come on. Like, really? (laughs) Apparently somebody. (laughs) Like... This can't be like. What's What's amazing is this is this is redraft ADP as well. Well, I, I guess this kind of goes past. So there's probably some dynasty stuff in here too. Although if you're I mean, if you're are, drafting are, Pax and Lynch for dynasty, I also have a lot of questions. All of the questions. Are, are people really like handcuffing quarterbacks now? Like, are is this really what we're doing with drafting well, Pax and Lynch? I mean. <laughs> I, I don't think I would handcuff with Paxton Lynch. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, if, if you're going to pick up some guard or Minshew, do what you need to do. But Listen, Andy pick. Dalton wasn't really that good in this Cowboys offense. And, and Andy Dalton is a trim, 10 times better quarterback than Paxton Lynch. Like uh, So many regrets, John Elway. Um, and uh, LVE is probably the last noteworthy name that we have some ADP for here. He is linebacker yeah. 32. Um, is there anyone else, probably particularly on defense, Brandon, that we didn't mention yeah. here that we should mention? Yeah, I mean, for me, the one name that jumps out is Trayvon Diggs. He was certainly tackle-heavy last year as a rookie. I, I think he'll keep that tackle volume. Um and so Trayvon Diggs is probably one of those sneaky DBs that you can get later um, who will definitely outperform his ADP. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. All right. Well, then let's get right into it. Um, who are you smashing the button for um, for the Cowboys? So I'm going to group my smash button and run in screaming into the night, basically just focusing on the wide receiver position. Cause I feel like okay. there's two guys that are really good. And one guy that is, I say, run away from. And I think, you know, who I'm going to say run away from. Of course I do. Because <laughs> I have been screaming, not necessarily screaming, but yelling at anyone who will listen to me do this. Amari Cooper is not that good. Do not draft Amari Cooper. I'm like. I mean, I think his numbers would suggest otherwise. No, unless he's been lucking into a career of thousand yard seasons. He doesn't have the touchdowns to warrant being a top wide receiver. Like, he's never been. He's like a poor man, Julio's Jones. Like, Julio went all those years 
putting up yards, putting up receptions, but never getting the touchdowns. But like you're mm-hmm. like, that's Julio. Like it has to happen at some point. I don't feel like that with Amari Cooper. Like it's just not going to happen. And with the way this offense is set up, Amari Cooper to me is like your fifth option in the red zone. Like I see the ball going to C D Lamb more than Amari Cooper. I see the ball going to Blake Jarwin more than Amari Cooper. I see the ball going to Zeke either running it or, or throwing it. Like there's all these players that are ahead of him in terms of that. So unless Amari is hitting these 25-yard touchdowns, which you can't really bank on, it's it doesn't make sense to me because he said he's what wide receiver 15, Four, that, 14, 14, and he's going ahead of CD Lamb right now, right? Yeah. Although I mean, I'll be honest. Um, not that I'm questioning sleepers data here, yeah. but I haven't been in a draft that I've seen Amari Cooper taking over CD Lamb. Um, yeah. I mean, CD, I, I think that this is a little deceptive. Like, people love CD Lehman for good reason. Um, yeah. And I think people are still pretty leery of Cooper's uh, foot injury. Um, yeah. You know, so I, um, I would imagine that they are going relatively close, but I would honestly be stunned in your draft if Cooper goes over CD Lamb. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's who I'm smashing the button for is. Give me CD Lamb. Give me all the CD Lamb. Like, he is poised for a breakout year, especially if Dak can stay healthy, stay on the field, play a full season with Dak under center. Like, CD is going to be a clear number one in a high octane passing offense. Like, this is the player that you want. If you say, I need a Cowboy and I need a Cowboy wide receiver, like, CD is probably the one that I would pay up for. Like, I think that right now, we always talk about drafting a player at his floor versus at his ceiling and stuff like that. The sky's the limit for CD Lamb. I mean, I think he really does have that potential to be a top three wide receiver playing in this offense. Again, as long as Dak stays healthy and some of these other things. Um, so I want to smash the button on CD Lamb. I think the other one that's a very sneaky play is Michael Gallup. With, with the wide receivers they have, a lot of people forget about Michael Gallup. Like, as wide receiver 48, he's absolutely worth a flyer, especially like if Amari Cooper goes down or CeeDee Lamb goes down, you now have a, a good wide receiver too on your team. Um, so Gallup is one late in rounds, late in drafts that I'm looking at. I'm like, okay, this makes sense as a potential upside. And he even might have some standalone value in some of these games where if it's going to be a shootout or they're playing a really bad defense or something like that like he could see enough work to warrant as a flex or even a low-end wide receiver three some weeks so um yeah that's kind of where i'm landing with these wide receivers no i'm 100 percent with you on that i mean i think at the <clears throat> at the adp that sleeper has listed i would not be drafting amari cooper there um mm-hmm. But, you know, like we talked about, at least in drafts that I've been in, I don't see him going there. Um, I, I think that drafters are leery. Um, I'm seeing him sliding, and that's why I am scooping Cooper up, um, because the the potential there with Dak is just massive. I mean, Cooper, I think, was wide receiver six, wide receiver seven before Dak got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just absolutely torching. Um, and I, I think that, you know, even without touchdowns, you know, and you, you brought up... Julio, I think that's the perfect comparison. 
Um, if Dak has the year that I think he's going to have, there's no way Amari Cooper can't be great. And that's even without the touchdowns. Um, you know, I mean, like you, you think of the receptions and the yardage that Cooper will put up even just between the 20s. Um, you know, I mean, you're probably staring at a 100-plus catch, 1,400-plus yard season. Even if he only has four touchdowns, he's still going to absolutely smash. Um, you know, the, the concern with Cooper is, is certainly um, health. You know, and, and he's a warrior. I mean, he plays through this stuff. But we know that there's been weeks in, in previous years where Cooper has been hurt and they basically put him out there as a decoy. You know, and then you get like a two-catch, eight-yard week. Um, and then you find out afterwards that he was like really banged up and he was basically just out there to be a meat shield. Um, and like, you know, these are the things that fantasy <laughs> fantasy folks would love to know beforehand. Like, oh, if you could just tell me that my wide receiver is just going to be a meat shield this week, that would be great. Um, and, you know, speaking of which, like that actually was Michael Gallup's issue last year is that they throw him out there at the X and then they move around CD lamb and Amari Cooper. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, Michael Gallup spends a lot of time absorbing some of the best cornerbacks out there. Um, you know, and then Amari Cooper and CD lamb running absolutely wild. There was some talk about moving all three around and making them interchangeable. I think that that helps Michael Gallup tremendously because I think if he can get off of the top corner, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and like move around, maybe play some snaps out of the slot. Um, you know, I think that that would help him immensely, but I love your call there. Honestly, I think all three of these guys are values where I think they're likely going in drafts. Um, and I would be more than happy to have one or literally all three of them. Um, if Dak has the kind of season, I think he can, I think all three can absolutely smash for sure. Um, I, I'm smashing the button on Zeke. Now, this is another one that I question at least a little bit. He's listed at RB8. Um, I see Zeke go as high as four in drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly would be happy to take Zeke as high as four because um, I think that he's set up that much to do you know well. Um, people absolutely understandably remember the end of the year last year when Zeke just kind of looked slow. He looked disinterested. Mm-hmm. He was... I mean, I had Zeke on a bunch of teams. He was basically unplayable down the stretch. He was so bad. Um, and I think that's really what it was, is I, I think, you know, after Dak got hurt, I think people do forget. Um, these guys are actually friends. They got drafted the same year. Um, I, I think, like, it honestly hurt Zeke on a personal level when Dak went out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, like, he literally looked like he didn't want to be there. Like, he was just showing up to collect the paycheck. Marshawn Lynch knows what's up. Um, and, you know... All, all indications from what we've seen in training camp is that he slimmed down. He took the offseason to really get himself in top shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems ready to absolutely do work. This, I, I bring up all of these DAC stats because I think they're really important. Zeke was the running back two. The running yeah. back two when Dak was there. Um, you know, so like I think people need to let the disappointment of the end of the year with Dalton and, you know, Gilbert and like the cat, the cast of Danucci, like the cast, the cast of like Italian characters that they threw in there. Um, you know, like that, that's not who this running back is. That's not what this offense is. Um, Zeke is going to be incredible, you know, if he stays healthy. And this is someone that generally speaking has like Derrick Henry been an incredible pillar of health despite huge work. 
Um, Zeke is going to be incredible. If he actually is available at RB8, that's stealing. And you know, one I one player I at least want to bring up, I'm not smashing the button here, but I will say that I am far more intrigued than I was previously in the offseason, and that's Micah Parsons. Um, d- despite all indications to the contrary, um, I really didn't think that there was any world where Micah Parsons was going to be a three-down linebacker, at least initially. But man, it seems like he is a three-down linebacker, and Jalen Smith is a backup, which is just wild to me. Um, if Michael Parsons actually is a three-down linebacker in this Dallas defense, he's going to smash. I mean, that's just what happens. Like, this has been a gold mine yeah. for years. Sean Lee started the gold mine. I mean, whoever the three-down yeah. linebacker is in Dallas is incredible for fantasy. Um, so, I mean, if Michael yeah. Parsons really is that guy, he's he's going to be absolutely incredible. Um Look back to Deion Jones' first two years in Dan Quinn's system and how phenomenal of an IDP he was. Micah Parsons will be that. Um, I still have my doubts. I just don't think you can pay someone as much as Jalen Smith and have him be as accomplished as he is, same with Leighton Vander Esch, and sit him. But if they do, Micah Parsons will be incredible. Um, you all remember how much I gushed yeah. over Michael Parsons when we did the linebacker episode. This guy is a pure stud. I'm not worried about Michael Parsons. I just don't actually believe that they're going to bench Jalen Smith and LVE, but we'll find out soon enough. Um, so, I mean, I'll just really quickly parlay that into my run screaming. My run screaming is Jalen Smith, so he's less listed at linebacker 10. Um, but, I mean, all indications right now out of camp is that he is the backup. Um, so, I mean, he's undraftable. Um, if you want to take a flyer at the absolute end of your draft, you know, hoping that it's not true, go for it. But um, do not draft Jalen Smith highly. As of right now, it does not look like he is going to play. Um, all right. Let's move on. Um, what is your hot take for Dallas, Brandon? Yeah, so my hot take is I actually believe that Blake Jarwin is going to be a top six tight end this year, a tight end who's going to have a lot of value. I think he's going to be a big red zone target. Um, So for me, Blake Jarwin is someone that I'm going to be targeting later in drafts as a tight end flyer um, who I think is going to have a lot of upside um, and I think that he is going to finish um, like top six, top seven at the tight end position this year. We've had a lot of interesting takes um, in our <clears throat> hot take section um, <laughs> of, I'd say, varying degrees of heat. Um, and <laughs> this one, I think, is scorching hot, absolutely scorching <laughs> hot. Um, and I don't think it's crazy either. I mean, so, I mean, I remember us talking about Blake Jarwin last year. Um, and there was tons yeah. of excitement and hype, you know, and then he comes right into that first game, makes one catch, and then instantly gets hurt. Um, yeah. I, you know, I guess my concern is that Dalton Schultz looked good, right? I mean, like, he looked legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern is that these two guys split the work, um, you know, and, and if that happens, then there's just no way that this can happen. Um, but if they don't, and we know that this is an offense that, you know, for, I mean, literally like over a decade now has loved to target the tight end. Um, yeah. Jarwin has the athleticism. I mean, I think he's certainly set up um, to potentially smash. So I, I love this take. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, basically, you got your your top three. You got your Kelsey, your Kittle, your Waller, and then really after that, it's kind of a toss up. And, and I mean, I think Blake Jarwin has enough playing in that offense that he could be, he could sneak in at that like top five, top six, top seven range. Nice. So you know, at, after last year, I'm not sure how hot this is but you know what i'm gonna go here anyway um i think that uh dak is set to absolutely smash this year um and i think he is going to break peyton manning's single season passing yards record um but i don't think he's just gonna break it i think he's gonna smash it um so it's like 5200 something yards i think peyton's record um i think dak is pushing 5500 yards this year um passing so I think Dak destroys Peyton's record. Uh, and this is where I was coming from with my earlier. If he passes for 5,500 yards, there's plenty to go around for, for Cooper, for CeeDee Lamb, yeah. for all these guys. Um, I think that they're all values. Um, you know, if if what I think could happen comes true, then I think you have CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper both knocking on the door of 1,600, 1,700-yards apiece. Um, yeah. I mean, these these guys are going to be absolutely incredible. Um, can't wait to watch this Dallas offense. Hopefully, like last so, year, they lose a ton of games and they score a ton of points. I would love every second of that. <laughs> I, I think the funny thing is, and, and I think it's a good it's a good take, just because I think this offense is going to be very pass heavy and they're going to rely on Dak. If Dak does throw for fifty five hundred passing yards, he would actually have a two yard less average per game so during Peyton's 5200 he averaged 325 passing yards a game if Dak goes to 5500 with the extra game he would only average 323 yards so like, so so Peyton can it'll... still claim the record then <laughs> I'm giving Peyton Manning because obviously Peyton listens to this podcast like <laughs> big big fan yep. you, you, you can hold on to this Peyton Manning like you can hold on to at least you have the most passing yards per game average because you'll be two yards more than Dak. After every mildly defensive episode, I actually send Peyton the uh, the video, and he breaks down the video for me. He's a brutal critic. Um, I can't even tell you the, the 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 amount of just you know he's drawing out the lines. He wants me to go yeah. in a different. I'm not zigging when he needs me to be zagging. It's he's he's tough. But keep it up, Peyton. You're making us better. Um, all right. Well, let's slide over to the New York Giants. Uh, you know, team um, that that brings me uh, tremendous pain, especially in recent years. Um, but you know, there is a lot to talk about here. Um, so let's start with smash the button. Uh, I'll I'll kick us off this time. Um, you know, Evan Engram um, is is interesting as we get into these uh, you know ADPs for the Giants. Tight end sixteen. Uh, Saquon comes in at running back five. Kenny Galladay, a new acquisition for the Giants, uh, who's practiced um, about as much as I have with the Giants. He is at wide receiver 23. Devontae Booker is listed at running back 51. That's important because we don't know for sure if Saquon's even going to play week one. Uh, Daniel Jones is listed at QB 26. Sterling Shepard is at wide receiver 72. I'm confident that that's going to come up. Um, <laughs> Kadarius Tony is listed at wide receiver 75. 
Darius Slayton at wide receiver at 88. Blake Martinez, linebacker four. Jabril Peppers is listed at DB2. Um, yeah. <laughs> Leonard Williams is at DL9. Xavier McKinney at DB15. Logan Ryan at DB29. And Aziz Ojolari at uh, defensive lineman 22. Anyone else there for the Giants that you feel like we need to cover, Brandon? No. Yeah, I think that covers pretty much everyone on the Giants. Um, I will say this, though. like, and I'm sure you will have plenty of hot takes here and, and get your thoughts. But two months ago, I was very high on this Giants offense. Like, I thought that they had a lot of potential here. As the summer has gone on, I've gotten more and more scared about drafting Giants players. Like, it doesn't feel like it's coming together. And you watch the Giants a lot more than I do, and you follow them a lot more closely. But, like, everything I see, like, it's just, like, these little red flags. Like, Kenny Galladay is dealing with a hamstring. He's not been able to – it's a hamstring, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he hasn't really been able to practice, which, okay, like, that's a concern with a new quarterback and a new offense. Like, Saquon Barkley, he's, the Giants are smart to kind of, like, move him along slowly, but, like, being a first-round talent, like, you don't want to necessarily take that risk. I mean, it's a high-risk, high-reward situation with Barkley. And, And... I really thought this would be a good year for Daniel Jones because of all the weapons that he has around him. And even Daniel Jones is like starting to scare me more and more in that it just doesn't feel like, it just doesn't feel like everything's coming together the way I think it would. And I feel like this is just going to end up blowing up by like week four. Yeah. I mean, that feels like the drumbeat, right? Um, you know, I, I, I listened to um, a, a decent number of podcasts, and um, there's zero, I mean, zero positivity out there right now about the Giants. Um, I was listening to uh, the, the fantasy footballers, um, <clears throat> and uh, Andy Holloway was talking about Kenny Galladay, um, and mm-hmm. he went as far as to say that he would draft Corey Davis over Kenny Galladay, and I was like, oh, where <laughs> <laughs> where has this gone um it it's uh it's gotten bad um at least in terms of perception um so here I, I guess maybe this is a good kind of prelude to what i'll be talking about with the giants just like you know to kind of um mm-hmm. well here I, I i didn't have this as my hot take but you know what? i'm just gonna throw it out there as a completely random <laughs> hot take um <laughs> because because i think that it will like build some context for the giants for people um if if you were to put so off the top of your head brandon not fantasy quarterbacks but like real life actual quarterbacks who who would you say the top five quarterbacks in the nfl are patrick mahomes josh allen aaron Rodgers. like this year i mean you have to include tom brady um and then probably a toss-up between Russ and Dak. Yeah, like, I think that's. Probably... I think that's perfect. That's a great six. Um, yeah, I think if you put any any of those six quarterbacks on this Giants team, this is a Super Bowl contending team. 
Um, and the, the reason I think that that's a hot take is that people look at the Giants, rightfully so, and they see a dumpster fire, right? Um, yeah. What they haven't been seeing is that, like, they're, they're actually building something here. Like, there's, like, some decent players. There's a lot of really mm-hmm. interesting movable chess pieces on defense. Like, this is a super interesting, really good defense. I'm not going to say it's, like, a dominant defense because it's not, but it's interesting, and yeah. I think it can win games. It won them games last year. Um, and on offense, I mean, I, I think honestly, you can take the skill position players of the giants and you could put them up against the skill position players of almost any team in the NFL Mm -hmm. and feel pretty good about it. I mean, if you put any of those six quarterbacks we talked about on this offense, this offense is smashes. I mean, there's no excuse for it to not smash. Now what people bring up and understandably is the offensive line, um, but I, I guess mm-hmm. the reason I would bring up the quarterback play is we, we've we seen all of those other names that you've talked about. I mean, I guess you you, you can even include Dak because the, the Dallas offensive line kind of fell apart last year due to injury. Mm-hmm. These guys find a way to still win even with a bad offensive line, right? Um, yeah. And that's the difference is that, like, this offense and Daniel Jones have not been able to find a way to persevere even with a bad offensive line. Um but the reason I bring that up is, like, I, I think that there's a, an unfairly negative perception of the Giants. Um, this is mm-hmm. not the Detroit Lions roster. Like, this is a good mm-hmm. roster. Um, and even though things look bad in training camp right now, and they do, um, I've read a lot about the Giants training camp. They look yeah. awful. They just got torched by the Patriots the other day. Um, I think Mac Jones literally completed like 80% of his passes against the Giants in the line. I mean, it, it's, it's bad. Um, but um, they're, they're actually operating the way that they want to see this team um, play, if that makes sense, like when they get into the regular yeah. season. So what I've been reading is there's a heavy dose of back shoulder throws to the end zone. Um, we know who that's drawn up for. He's not around. Mm-hmm. He's on the sideline right now. No one else yeah. is catching that pass. They're throwing it anyway because I think they want Daniel Jones to get used to throwing it. Um, heavy dose of bubble screens and like wide receiver gimmicky stuff. We know yeah. who they're going to run that for. He's not around because he's had a billion random things going on. Um, yeah. But he's going to be around at some point. And when he does, like that's why they got him. He's electric. Um, and, and when Kadarius Tony catches those bubble screens, he's going to be a problem. Um, so the the reason I bring all this up is that the Giants look like a mess now and they probably will to be real for like the yeah. first four weeks because to Brandon's point these guys haven't been here um you know Jones has not developed chemistry with any of these guys and you can't just mm-hmm. you can't just pull that off on the fly so like they're not going to come out week one and drop 35 points against Denver that's just not happening um but they're going to develop it as long as these guys can get healthy and if they do, I think you actually will see a competent offense as the season comes. And that's a big thing for the Giants. You know, like, I mean, this has been like the last four years, one of the three worst offenses in the NFL every single year. So just being like the 17th <laughs> like offense, that's tremendous progress for the Giants. And with this defense, this could actually be a winning football team. Like if they literally just put a competent offense on the field, then this is a team that could win games. Um, so why do I bring that up? Because all of those ADPs that we read, you should not draft any, any of these guys other than Sterling Shepard 
at their ADP based on what is about to happen in the first four weeks. This is going to be bad. Like this is going to be yeah. an absolutely terrible football team, probably for the first four weeks. Um, but then I think it's going to get better. And I think you're actually going to see a really good offense. So for me, like my strategy with the giants will be if they're actually getting drafted at the ADPs that I read, I'm going to get none of these guys other than Sterling Shepard. Um, yeah, but you, you best believe I will be sending out trade offers for Barkley for Galladay. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be watching Kadarius Tony on the waiver wire because I think that this is going to get better and it's going to get better in a hurry once these guys actually start to figure things out and get some practice time with each other. Um, so, I mean, with, with that in mind, and I think you feel the same way, Brandon, like my, my smash the button is Sterling Shepard. I mean, like this is just straight disrespectful. Like, I mean, this is a guy that has spent his entire career as a wide receiver, three wide receiver, four. Um, And I mean, all reports are at a camp that like, he looks better than he ever has. Um, Yep. You know, do I think he's going to be a wide receiver one? Of course not. But I mean, I think he is an absolute smash the button wide receiver three and you're getting him at wide receiver 72. He's free. Um, So like, I mean, if you can walk away with your last pick of Sterling Shepard, you know, this is someone that like, as long as he can stay healthy, and that's a big thing for him because he has a pretty um, unfortunate concussion history. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, Sterling Shepard, he's he's the rock that guaranteed will hold this Giants offense together if it stays together. Um, I think he's going to be yeah. great. I, I'm with you on Sterling Shepard. I, I, I never understood why the Giants went out and got Golden Tate. Like it felt like it was essentially the same player. Like, they both are best in the slot. Like, that's where they do a lot of their work. And it just felt like they were cannibalizing each other's value. I think if it was one or the other, and and a lot of times you did see that, because, like, when Shepard was out, Golden Tate was a wide receiver three. Like, he was able to get the work. Um, And before Golden Tate showed up, Sterling Shepard was pretty good. Like, he was startable in in fantasy football. Yeah. so now that he is gone, and again, like, and to your point, like, you kind of talked about this, and it makes sense. Like, when I was looking at this team after the draft, I'm like, there is a lot of talent here. And if you told me every single player was going to go into the season healthy and not have these injuries, like, I would feel a lot better. But you have just a lot of moving pieces. Like, Kenny Galladay is, is that one piece that can transform the offense. And you, you think about like what happened with Buffalo last year with Diggs, like it, it's kind, it, it's not the same situation, but when you put a wide receiver one who can pull a lot of coverage away from other wide receivers, you're going to make other guys really good. Like Diggs was pulling a lot of coverage away from people. Cole Beasley has a career year. Like you take Kenny Galladay, he's going to – you. Defenses are going to have to just always account for him and probably put one or two guys always on him. That makes Sterling Shepard better. Like, that should pull secondaries back. Now Saquon Barkley has a little bit more room to operate. Like, the thought process there is is completely sound. It makes 100% perfect sense. You just have these lingering issues that you're like, oh, man, like, I'm like... I want to draft Kenny Galladay. Like I want to draft Saquon Barkley, but like where they're going, like I can't afford not to have my RB one 
and and this is one of the things that like I just thought about that kind of makes sense like there's always injuries with football like I think like if you told anyone you're going to get Saquon Barkley for 13 games like I think everyone kind of anyone who drafts Barkley knows that there's some kind of injury history and the, the likelihood that he's going to play every game is probably slim to none so if you draft Saquon Barkley and you know, like, okay, I'm only going to have him for 13 games, like, at least you know it's the first three weeks, like, <laughs> versus, like, randomly losing him throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So if you can get Barkley, I think if you can get Barkley, like, middle of the second, like, I feel a little bit better. If I come, if I get a, a very good RB1 in the first round, if I get a Derrick Henry or if I get a Dalvin Cook or something like that, and it comes back around to me and Saquon's on the board, I probably would feel good about pulling the trigger there. But, like, you also have to, if you do that, you have to come back around and, and, and draft another running back in your next two rounds. So, like, you essentially have to draft three running backs in your first four picks because you need someone for those first three games. Um, wow. So, so you're actually even lower than than i would be i mean i i don't think that i'm even in a stratosphere where where i would get barkley anywhere i would take him at the back end of the first i mean but at rb5 you're literally taking him as the fifth player off the board correct um yeah you know so i can't imagine a world where he would ever make it even into the second let alone to the mid-second yeah but i I mean i guess that's kind of where i'm at it's like i don't want to take him as an rb1 Mm -hmm. like I would be worth taking a flyer as an RB2 in the second round, but, like, your first-round pick, like, it's very hard to come back if you don't hit on your first-round pick. And there is certainly a chance where, with how slowly they have ramped up Saquon, like, he could start to get to a full workload and realize his knee's still not right, and they completely shut him down again. Like, there is certainly that potential there for that now i'm not saying that's likely to happen or going to happen but like when you have a running back who's slowly being worked back until they go full 100 percent, like you don't know how that knee's going to react so that's kind of why i'm like i'm waiting until the sec i can't draft him in the first oh yeah no i i completely get that um i mean it, i i will say that i think that their idea here was that they're trying to save saquon from himself because they know that this guy yeah. you know he he doesn't know how to do something 50%. Um, you know, there's yep. there's funny video clips of, like, <clears throat> Saquon's on the sideline watching Devontae Booker out there on the practice field, and since Saquon is mimicking what Booker's doing, like, <laughs> he, like, he can't even stand still and watch practice. He has to pretend that he's the one on the field running. Um, you know, like, you can't, like, stop this guy from going all out. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I think that they're – their decision essentially was to bubble wrap him until right before yep. week one. Um, and that's the same thing that they're doing essentially at this point with Galladay and Tony, you know, as I think they don't want to rush any of these guys back, um, have them, you know, kind of injure something and then not be available for the first six weeks. Um, yeah. So I do, I mean, we'll see with Galladay because, you know, he, he has a, a history of some of these hamstring injuries, so they might be even more cautious with that one. Um, and Tony mm-hmm. just, you know, being a rookie, um, 
you're only going to see him in for some of these gimmicky plays for a while because he just hasn't, he's literally had like no practice time. Um, I mean, so there's just no way that they can even let him onto the field. Um, And that's always tough for a rookie because like, then you come onto the field, the defense instantly knows you're going to get the ball. (laughs) Um, You know, so he's, he's going to have a rough beginning, but you know, maybe halfway through the year, you can start to look at Kadarius Tony if he can stay healthy. Um, yep. So, I mean, I understand why you're running from Saquon. I'm running this for the, a similar reason. I think for both of us, the idea is essentially we're interested. We'd take him, but we're not going to take him where ADP says he's likely to go. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think you said mid-second. For me, it would be late first. Um, you know, but I'd be taking you know, probably up to like Aaron Jones, guys like that. I'd be taking, you know, any of those players, um, above Saquon. Um, and then at that point, I think probably the, um, the allure of his talent would be too great <laughs> to, yeah. to pass on him at that point. Um, you, you kind of accept the risk at that point and say like, this is, you know, that, that player, I mean, people talk about that with a lot of players that like anytime they touch the ball, they can take it to the house. This might be the mm-hmm. one player in football that that's 100% true. <laughs> like when yeah. the ball's in his hands, it doesn't matter if it's him versus all 11 defenders. He still might find a way to take it to the house, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, so, you know, for for all football fans, like here's to hoping that Saquon can be healthy because I think people forget at this point how special this guy is. Uh, you know, cause he's an absolute, absolute freak. Um, so, you know, we already, um, just to kind of touch on a couple more players really, really quickly. Um, Blake Martinez, I don't think I need to any- say anything more no. about Blake Martinez on this podcast. He's incredible. Smash the button on Blake Martinez. Brandon and I admitted yeah. in a recent podcast that we, um, <laughs> tried to smash the button on Blake Martinez. He was not there. Uh, we were sad. Um, Blake Martinez is incredible. He's going to be incredible again, like just lock in his top five linebacker production and, and feel yeah. happy about your life. Um, I'm actually interested in Evan Ingram and then I'll let Brandon talk. Cause I, I know he's not, um, <laughs> you know, at tight end 16, I mean, so Brandon knows that like, I'm one of the most critical people of Evan Ingram. Um, but he has a role like he has a role he always has a role he always gets targeted um and in previous years I was always out because he was like tight end six tight end seven you know like right in that range all the time and I was like you people must be insane like you know but at tight end 16 like definitely colored me interested at that point (laughs) um you know because now it's like gotten to the point that it's absurd I mean tight end 16 so he's free um and he's getting tons of targets um, you know, I mean, for real life purposes, it's, it's a struggle because a lot of those targets go through his hands and then into the hands of the defender. Um, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's not a, a fun thing for Giants fans to watch and which is why Giants fans basically hate Evan Ingram. Um, but for, for fantasy purposes for a free player, you're not going to find anyone in that range that will be targeted nearly as much as Evan Ingram. Um, and in some world, and this happens with tight ends, right? Like in some world where finally like all of the puzzle pieces have fit together and Evan Engram's ready to be a big boy and play football, um, this guy, I mean, is arguably the most talented tight end in the entire league. Like he's that physically gifted. Um, and it is Jason Garrett. And we talked about Dallas a little while ago. 
Jason Garrett loves to throw to the tight end. This is something that he loves. To, he's always loved to do this. Um, so, I mean, it's just me saying that, like, if he's free and if you can just take a shot at him and then if he's just brutal the first two weeks, you can just cut him and move on to someone else. I think he's potentially worth that flyer. Um, my hot take I already mentioned, I think Sterling Shepard is locked in as a top 36 option at wide receiver. You're getting him at wide receiver 72. That's free money. Uh, Brandon, what do you, what do you got for a hot take? <laughs> I don't know if you want me to say my hot take because I think it will make you very, very sad. Go, go, go to work. <laughs> if you thought my Blake, if you thought my Cowboys hot take was hot, this is even hotter. I believe that Kyle Rudolph will finish with more fantasy points than Evan Ingram. So the only I the have, only caveat I'm going to put out here is. Is this a prediction of health? Because I think if these two are healthy, there's no way this happens. Um, if both, but Evan Ingram loves to get hurt. So, so if he gets hurt, of course no. this could happen. <laughs> I, I'm saying if they both play a full season and they are both healthy, listen, Evan Ingram physically is top five at his position. Like There is no denying the physical tools that he has at the position, that he could be one of the premier tight ends in the league. We have been saying that every year that he has come, he's been in the NFL. This is the year. It's going to come together. This is the year. I'm done saying that. Like, this is not coming together for him. This is not coming together for him on the Giants. Like, <laughs> he will need to go somewhere else. Maybe the CFL. Um, <laughs> but this is the other thing. I don't think he's going to get the workload that he has been getting. You bring in a Kenny Galladay. You bring in a Kadarius Tony. Like, you don't draft Kadarius Tony in the first round without a plan for him for being a big part of your offense. He is going to lose a lot of targets. You're giving Gettleman a little bit too much credit there. <laughs> Get, yes. Gettleman doesn't need a plan. <laughs> Whether the pick was right or wrong, like, if you draft someone in the first round, he should be a big part of your plan as a rookie first year the reason I think Kyle Rudolph is going to finish with more I think Kyle Rudolph is going to be a big red zone target for the Giants I realistically could see him coming away with seven eight nine receiving touchdowns this year he may only have 30 receptions but he'll like every third catch is going to be a touchdown like I think that there that is a realistic stat line, and if that happens, knowing a potential decrease in targets for Ingram, like I could see Kyle Rudolph finishing with more points than Ingram this year. So that's why I think that, that that's my rationale for my hot take. It it's absolutely in the realm of possibility. Um, I, uh, I I certainly tease you. I actually am glad that Kyle Rudolph is on the Giants because. Um, it's going to open up kind of more of what Jason Garrett likes to do. I think that the two tight end mm-hmm. sets, um, you know, with, with Saquon back there, it, it's a, it's a really challenging look for a defense, right? Because like it, it's a, a run first look, but of course, Engram basically is a wide receiver. Um, so it puts you in a really bad situation. Um, so, I mean, ha- having Rudolph there, I think is going to open up a lot. Um, at least between the twenties, I do think that he's going to be in there mostly to um, help that horrific blocking <laughs> on the offensive mm-hmm. line. Um, but I don't think that you're wrong that, you know, like 
once you get close to the goal line, um, I, I could absolutely see Kyle Rudolph, you know, kind of, um, you know, doing those <laughs> little moves we see with the tight end where he puts one hand on the shoulder of the defensive end and then just flares out, you know, for a quick pass from Daniel Jones. Yep. That's an easy look for a quarterback, you know, and Daniel Jones needs all the help he can get. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I could absolutely seeing that uh, see that being realistic for sure. But don't get me too much into backup tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> we know your stance on those. <laughs> we we could go all night on backup tight ends. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to Philadelphia begrudgingly. Um, so the the Eagles, um, you know, I think Giants fans, you know, can at least feel better about the fact that you know, for as much of a dumpster fire as the Giants are. <laughs> thank God for the Eagles. Um, so the, the Eagles had a challenging offseason uh, that has really rolled into the preseason uh, and training camp. Um, Miles Sanders is at running back 18. Uh, they're, uh, <laughs> they're big Devonta Smith uh, that they uh, so proudly traded above the Giants to take. Uh, he is wide receiver 29. Dallas Goddard is tight end eight. Jalen Hurts is QB 14. Zach Ertz is tight end 19. Kenny Gainwell, uh, I think he was a fifth round pick um, for Philly this year. RB 49. Jalen Rager, wide receiver 66. That was last year's first round wide receiver. Uh, (laughs) The the infamous, uh, they took him right before Justin Jefferson and then the Minnesota Vikings uh, war room rejoiced. (laughs) (laughs) poor eagles boston scott running back 58 uh carry on johnson who is not with the team any longer um but apparently still has adp alex singleton (laughs) linebacker 29 eric wilson uh formerly of the vikings linebacker 41 josh sweat is d lineman 27 uh and old friend travis fulgham r.i.p travis fulgham um, wide receiver 126, but man, that was a fun four weeks when it happened, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> so moving into Philly, Brandon, who are you smashing the button on? So th- there's a couple of players that, that come to mind. I think in terms of a flyer, Jalen Rager jumps out to me at wide receiver 66. I think that again, we talk about players at the end of the draft who have good upside he was a first round pick last year he he still even though the eagles get beat up for taking him over justin jefferson he's still talented like and now that you have a full season with jalen hurts like and not the mess that is carson wentz like and doug peterson is gone like you can debate whether they improved a head coach or not. I think that's still open for debate, but like you're, you're there being is a kind. different head coach. <laughs> I don't think it's there a debate. Is a different head coach. <laughs> um, have you have you have you heard you... Nick Sirianni talk? <laughs> there's there's no debate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think I mean I just Rager's a high upside guy. He's a guy who could potentially like make some noise in his second year I think I like that pick the other one that I like is Dallas Goddard at tight end eight and I I can't wait to hear this you're gonna have to sell me on this one 
I would like it a lot more if Sackerts was not on the you team. You and me both. <laughs> so, but at the same time, I feel like Sackerts' best days are behind him. I really don't think he's that premier tight end anymore. I really don't think that he's going to command a ton of targets. Um, I think it really is Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard is going to be the clear guy there. And while he may lose some work to Zach Ertz, tight end eight's not unreasonable. Um, and Goddard has looked very good in preseason. So I, at tight end eight, it feels like Goddard's a safe bet to me. I think, again, we talk about the mess that is, like there's not a lot of safe tight ends and usually you're punting the position. So if you can get Goddard mid to late rounds somewhere in there, like after you've basically built out your wide receivers and you have a backup running back and, and, and stuff like that, I would feel okay with Goddard as my starting tight end. And especially if they trade Zach Ertz before the season. So I'm a hundred percent with you there. I mean, if, if Ertz is gone, <clears throat> then I think Goddard, you know, becomes extremely safe and I'd be very interested in Goddard um, with Ertz there. I don't know. I mean, it just, it concerns me because um, I still feel like, you know, Ertz is going to be the tight end on the field if there's only one tight end, um, mm. you know, and it, it seems like now with Devonta Smith, as well as Rager, they seem to really like Quez uh, Watkins there. Um, yeah. It, it just makes me nervous about how much Dallas Goddard is actually going to be on the field. Um, now, granted, I mean, Mark Andrews is like a perennial top five tight end. He's only on the field like half the time when he's on the field, he gets targeted. Um, you know, so is that like a, you know, a death knell for Dallas Goddard? No. Um, but I would agree with you. I I would feel much, um, better about his floor and his ceiling if Ertz was gone. Um, although it appears that Ertz is gone. Um, there's someone in an Ertz Jersey that looks eerily like slim shady, uh, from about 2001. Um, I, I don't know what happened to Ertz and I don't know why Slim Shady is bulked up and is dressed as Zach Ertz, but I'm, I'm interested. So I'm going to have to take a look at that. If you have not seen uh, Zach Ertz's new hairdo, you really need to check this out. It's truly fantastic. I don't know why he did this. I don't know why his wife let him do this. Um, <laughs> he looks amazing. Um, <laughs> well done. Maybe this is like a midlife crisis where he decided that, you know, I always wanted to look like Eminem. So like, I'm just going to do this. Um, so, you know, you, you do use Zach Ertz. I, I feel really good about it. Um, so I'm, I'm smashing the, uh, the button on Jalen Hurts. Um, QB 14, I, I just feel like um, there's been a lot of a lot of hate for the Philly offense because um, I swear, you know, like with the way Jalen Hurts ended the year last year, I thought for sure that Jalen Hurts was going to be like the seventh quarterback off the board. Seeing mm-hmm. QB 14 is criminal. I, I can't even believe that. Um, unless you don't think Jalen Hurts is actually going to play all 17 games, I there's not a possible way he could finish at QB 14. I mean, as Brandon mentioned before, when we talk about floor and um, ceiling, I mean, this is actually basement. This is below the floor. Um, yeah. Jalen Hurts can't possibly finish this low if he stays healthy. 
Um, I mean, here's an interesting comparison. So, you know, Kyler Murray, his rookie year, he, he didn't have a whole lot around him, right? So he didn't have Hopkins that year. Yeah. Um, wasn't a very good offense. Uh, Kyler himself really wasn't that great. Do you remember where he finished his rookie year? I mean, I think he was definitely top 10, right? QB7. Yeah. Now, there's there's more mobile quarterbacks now, right? Like there's, you know, more guys putting up huge performances. So even in two years, the NFL is a little bit different. Um, But with that being said, like if Jalen Hurts plays an entire year with his rushing ability, which is very reminiscent of Lamar Jackson, there's no way he can't possibly finish below QB nine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm booking that right now. He, his floor is QB nine. Um, well, the only thing I would add to that is, and I agree a hundred percent with you here that like, he is probably one of the safer QBs to start because of his rushing ability. And especially if you're in a league that only gives four points per passing touchdown and six points per rushing touchdown, Jalen Hurts closes that gap very, very quickly with his with his legs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see any way that he he doesn't surpass QB fourteen this year. Like he's going to finish higher than QB fourteen yeah. this year. So, I mean, I I'll be interested, you know, because um, I'm in a lot of super flex leagues as, as Brandon is, um, you know, so things can get a little bit skewed there. Um, but I'll be in a single quarterback draft in the near future if this actually holds true and hurts lasts till the later rounds i'm i'm going to be so so happy smashing that button <laughs> because jalen hurts yeah. is about as safe as it gets there um with the upside to be the qb1 i mean when when you rush for as many yards as jalen hurts is going to be capable of rushing for if he has mm-hmm. some you know, TD luck go his way like Lamar Jackson did a few years ago. Um, all of a sudden, you're you're looking at the quarterback one. Um, that's what like these huge rushing floor quarterbacks do. You know, it's just mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's an incredible cheat code. Um, I'm also smashing the button on Alex Singleton. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I I don't know how many people realized how good Alex Singleton was down the stretch last year when he took yeah. over that job in Philly. There's still at least a little bit of question about what that's going to look like there, but everything I've read, it seems like Singleton and Eric Wilson are going to be the three down guys there. Eric Wilson's just a guy. Um, Alex Singleton has a gorgeous mane of hair. He's a beautiful man. Um, That's all you need to know. You don't need to know if he's good. I mean, this is a tremendous looking man. Just smash the button on Alex Singleton. He's going to get you a lot of tackles. Philadelphia is not a good team. Um, <laughs> come for the fantasy football advice stay for Matt Jordan's opinion on Eagles hair <laughs> <laughs> yep that's really that's what, that's what it comes down to <laughs> can we get a power ranking of like Eagle players hair like can we get that for the next episode is you just provide us like your top five absolutely yep <laughs> yeah it'll be part of our uh, training camp episode I'll give you top five <laughs> Eagle hairdos <clears throat> it's gonna be good. We'll have to get McNabb back. McNabb had a couple nice hairdo years. Um, I, I yeah. feel good about that. All right. Um, so we already talked a little bit about Goddard. Um, so I'll I'll make this short. I'm running screaming from Goddard with Ertz there, um, just because I think someone is going to feel far more comfortable drafting Dallas Goddard, you know, at or above his ADP than I'm going to. I think that, as I mentioned earlier, 
his um, sharing that workload with Ertz makes me very nervous about what that floor is for Goddard. Um, you know, so I, I don't think that I'd be comfortable at the price that he's at, um, at, at tight end date if Ertz remains there. Um, there's yeah. still a couple of weeks here, so I'm still hopeful that something will get done. I still have a, an inkling that the bills are just waiting the Eagles out. Um, <laughs> where they're like, you know, you just want to give Ertz to us for a seventh round pick, right? So why don't we just end the charade you just give us slim shady we'll give you a seventh round pick <laughs> we'll toss in an extra will MP. That, we'll call it a day yeah i will say that the bills tight ends have not done themselves any favors this preseason so yes <laughs> i would not be surprised if there was a a trade over the weekend for another tight end or, or just wait to see if the eagles i i can't imagine the eagles would cut Ertz, but i mean i think that there might be some trade discussions still going on there. Yeah. I mean, we remember, um, the, the Colts had to kind of wait out the Eagles and finally the Eagles were like, okay, I guess we're not going to get a (laughs) better offer. Um, I, I do have a sense that the, uh, the bills have been waiting out the Eagles in a similar fashion. And they're just like, you know, we're, there was never a world where we were actually going to give you a fourth round pick. (laughs) So so why don't you just take this seventh round pick and we'll call that a day. Yep. So we'll see. Um, but who are you running screaming from, Brandon? I am running from Devontae Smith. A, a, a wide receiver 29, like just for a rookie wide receiver in an offense where I don't – he's not like – Jamar Chase isn't a good example because Jamar Chase has looked awful this um, preseason and training camp. But like Jamar Chase feels like a guy that the Bengals were planning on feeding him the ball. Like – I don't get that feeling with Devontae Smith because of like, well, one, you have a mobile quarterback who's probably going to rely more on his legs this year. So like, what is the passing attempts going to look like this year? And, and, and how do those target shares get broken out? Like we talked about Dallas Goddard. We talked about Zach Ertz. Jalen Rager's still there. Quez Watkins has looked good. Miles Sanders can still catch the ball out of the backfield. Like, there's a lot of weapons there and I don't feel like Devontae Smith is set up to be like the guy and it's I don't think this is a fair comparison but I could feel it being like a Henry Rugg situation like he's gonna get drafted way too high because he was a top what 11 he went 11th overall this year yep and because of that, I feel like people are going to reach for him thinking like that there's a plan there. I just don't see him being productive enough to warrant being wide receiver 29. With how deep the, the position is, I'd be more happy to wait and, and let someone else take Devontae Smith. So I'm running from Devontae Smith. Actually, I take that back. I think he was 10 because I think the Eagles were 12, jumped the Giants at 11 gotcha. to 10. Yeah. So I think that's where he was. But I, I mean, they were still – it was a very high pick, top 10, top 12, somewhere in there. Um, and I just I just don't see it this year for him. So I will say that I'm interested. Um, he He's not someone that I find that I'm getting anywhere because someone usually seems to be far more interested than I am. Um, I do think that there's going to be volume here. Um, the only thing that is making me at least a little nervous there is like Quez Watkins really does seem to be showing out. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, if, if anyone takes 
really any volume from Devonta Smith, and I think it's going to be very hard for him to deliver on this ADP. He basically has to dominate, um, and I think he still could. Um, but, you know, between Quez Watkins, you've got the lower body injury that Devonta Smith has been dealing with. Um, yeah. You know, it, it definitely leaves me nervous. So if he slides, I'll be happy to scoop him up. Um, but if someone takes him around where he's going, I'm probably out because I think there's other uh, super interesting people around there like Will Fuller, people that, you know, I've already talked about on the show that I'm yeah. <clears throat> irrationally in love with. <laughs> so I already kind of talked about my hot take, um, but, you know, I'll just kind of cement that one and say that I think Jalen Hurts will finish as a top six fantasy quarterback. But I'll go a step further and say, despite that, he will not be the Eagles starter next year um, because that will be yeah. Deshaun Watson. Um but I do think he's going to be a starter somewhere. So, um, you know, we, we sometimes bring up dynasty on this show. I would not give up on Jalen Hurts. Um, I think that he will land as a starter, um, likely in Houston if this trade actually does take place. I think he's going to show enough that someone's going to be interested. I don't know why that someone appears to not be Philadelphia, um, but... <laughs> You know, maybe that'll work out better for Jalen Hurts in the uh, in the long run. So, good good on you, Jalen Hurts. He legitimately seems like a very good guy, like super hard worker. I'm yeah. I'm very much rooting for Jalen Hurts. So, um, in a lot of ways, it would actually be personally helpful to me if he gets traded out of Philadelphia. Um, I'd feel much better about rooting for him. Um, what is, what is your hot take, Brandon? So for me, um, I feel like this is the year that I'm like I'm giving up on guys that I'm like this is the year it's gonna happen like I, I I'm moving on from Evan Ingram I'm also moving on from Miles Sanders like it's just not gonna happen I, I don't think he finishes in the top 24 this year um I, I just it, it just it there's something there it just doesn't make sense to me they went and drafted Gainwell they still got like Boston Scott they went and got carry on Johnson who they've already cut like we kind of talked about this with DeAndre Swift like it never felt like the Eagles were fully committing to Miles Sanders with the amount of people they were bringing in and the amount of running backs they were flirting with and stuff like that like so when I see something like that I'm like yeah there's something here that I just don't feel like it's coming together and then you take on top of that the Jalen Hurts factor who's going to probably take some of the work from Miles Sanders. I just don't think the work is there, and I don't think really the talent is there right now for him to be warranted as being a top 24 running back. So I'm not drafting Miles Sanders. So I I hear your concern. Um, I think people need to um, frame the way they look at Miles Sanders. So you know, re- remember what offense Nick Sirianni was running in Indianapolis – They've always used multiple backs. I mean, so even before Jonathan Taylor, you looked at Marlon Mack as like the, you know, bell cow, if you will, like the first and second down guy. They had Jordan Wilkins. They had Naheem Hines. Um, Mm -hmm. Even last year with Jonathan Taylor, you know, Jonathan Taylor was the first and second down bell cow type, but they had Naheem Hines. They were working other guys in. Um, I, I think that that's what's happening here. You know, like if they had spent higher draft capital on a running back, I think I would have been very concerned. A fifth rounder for Kenny Gainwell doesn't leave me concerned. My guess is that they view him as Naheem Hines. Um, He is a tremendous pass catcher. Um, You know, do I think he's good enough that he could be the guy? 
I do. And if they had drafted him in the third, I'd be pretty concerned. <laughs> but, but in the fifth, I'm less concerned. I think Miles Sanders is the first and second down guy. I think you're um, what you brought up with Jalen Hurts is absolutely the big concern um, is <clears throat> when you're a first and second down back, you're likely not catching a lot of passes. And I don't think Miles Sanders is going to catch a lot of passes. You know, so at that point, like we talked about with J.K. Dobbins, Derrick Henry, a lot of these guys that don't catch passes, you need to make hay scoring touchdowns and getting a lot of yards. Um, that's where the concern is with Miles Sanders is like, how good is this offense going to be? Will Miles Sanders be able to rack up, you know, 70, 80 yard games? Will he get into the end zone eight to 10 times? If he can do that, he's going to be absolutely fine. You know, just like Dobbins and a lot of these other guys will be. If not, then yeah, the the floor could be very concerning for Miles Sanders um, because you're going to see Boston Scott. You're going to see Kenny Gainwell. You're going to see all these guys getting, you know, kind of a sprinkled in a, a variety of work there. Yep. All right. Well, that was way more Eagles talk than uh, than I've needed. Um, so let's <laughs> let's move on to a football team, a Washington football team. Apparently, they're going to have a new name next year. We'll see what that looks like. I don't know, I, I, Washington football team is growing on me. I'm 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 okay with it. I'm not. You know what? Then you got to go out there. You got to get that merchandise. Um, you know, <laughs> I know they'll, be... They'll, they'll be collector items by the <laughs> by the time we. Uh, Absolutely. Um, by this time next year. Yeah, we'll have to see what that new name is. But um, you know, as as lampooned as the name was when it first came out, like I do think people are getting used to it. So it's, it's going to be yeah. kind of uh, bittersweet, I guess, when they when they get rid of it. So for Washington, um, the uh, the supernova himself, Antonio Gibson, is running back 13. Uh, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 10. Logan Thomas, tight end 12, coming off of his breakout year. Um, Curtis Samuel, uh, after being with Carolina for the first four years um, of his career, he's now back with Ron Rivera in Washington. J.D. McKissick, uh, he put up a like hundred target year last year, which is absolutely insane. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Alex Smith. Running back forty six, uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, uh, our our man with the chest hair. He is on. Uh, I'm a. I can only assume his thirty fifth NFL franchise. Uh, he made three <laughs> new ones all to himself. Um, he is the quarterback twenty two. Diami Brown, uh, third round pick, right? Um, for Washington this yeah. year, wide receiver 89. D- is Todd Gurley actually on Washington? No, no. That, <laughs> that, 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 that's an error. Why, Don't why worry about Todd that. Why does Todd Gurley have ADP? Um, Jarrett Patterson, who actually is on Washington, uh, he is listed as running back 95. Uh, this is, a, I think we covered Patterson in the rookie show, but uh, this yeah. is a, a diminutive but talented running back out of the University of Buffalo. Um, who's playing very well this preseason. Mm-hmm. He's looked very, very good this year. We have uh, our man, Taylor Heineke. Um, there was there was only one quarterback that challenged the Buccaneers in the playoffs, and that was Taylor Heineke. Yeah. <laughs> Crack open a Heineke, baby. Um, Chase Young, defensive lineman, won. I'm, I'm, I would have to guess that that's more dynasty-based than um, redraft-based, but I'm sure people... 
uh, are very enthusiastic about Chase Young, even in redraft leagues. Montez yep. Sweat, defensive lineman five, that is just wild. Uh, Jameen Davis, the first-round pick this past year, linebacker 21. Landon Collins, DB 13. Cole Holcomb, uh, linebacker 25. Cam Curl, who came out of nowhere last year and was great in replacing uh, Landon Collins. He's DB 21. Yep. Jonathan Allen, one of the other many first-round picks on that defensive line. Yeah. <laughs> defensive lineman 16. And Deron Payne at defensive lineman 28. Anyone else we're missing there, Brandon? Uh, No, not that jumps out to me going through that list. Cool. All right. Who are you smashing the button on for WFT? Can I say everyone? Absolutely. <laughs> like Washington, I think, is one of those teams where I end up finding myself that I want to draft more players than I feel comfortable with drafting from one team. Like I really like all of these players. I've, I think Fitzpatrick is going to absolutely surpass QB 22. I think he's the perfect player for a, a team that didn't have a good answer at QB. Like you can cannot do better than having Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year with the weapons that you have around him. Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 10. I think that's a fantastic place for him. I think he's going to surpass that. And I think he's going to produce higher than that. Logan Thomas at tight end 12. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. I think He's another one that I really like. Um, Antonio Gibson, I think, is he's he's at poise for a breakout year. I know they everyone wants to say, oh, Christian McCaffrey. Like, I'm not there yet, but like, especially with you brought up JT McKissick, um, JD McKissick with the hundred targets. Like, I, I think he's still a factor, and you have to account for him. Um, but Antonio Gibson, I think, is going to have a very special year this year. On the defensive side of the ball, I like Chase Young. I think he's going to, like, he'll take that next step this year. I don't know if he's D-line one, but. Yeah, it's, that's yeah, a little rich for sure. <clears throat> I wouldn't be upset having Chase, uh, Chase Young on my team. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's ADL one, that's for sure. I mean, he you absolutely, yeah. I mean, it. I'd be a little bit stunned if he doesn't finish as one of the top 12 defensive linemen, but I mean that you're asking for a pretty sizable leap. Like statistically speaking, he wasn't as good as I think people thought he was going to be last yeah. year. You'd be asking for a lot for him to all of a sudden become the DL one this year. The only reason I think that he has the potential to do that is because of the players he has on the line with him. Like we've talked about it. There's a ton of first round picks on that D line teams are going to struggle to block all of them. And I think Chase Young can benefit from that. Um, the other one is Landon Collins at DB 13. Like I think that he's being forgotten because of his injuries. Um, but Landon Collins is one of those DBs that like, you know, he's going to get five, six tackles a game. Like it's, it's just guaranteed. Mm -hmm. um, so I basically listed everyone. So I don't know. <laughs> So this was uh, this was the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you uh, you you did a good job. I mean, I'll I'll cover just a couple of things quickly. Um, Landon Collins makes me a little bit nervous. I don't have him as my run screaming player um, because I, I think that DB thirteen is is very fair. Um, yeah. What's hard to know right now is like where do they see him physically in his recovery? He did have an Achilles injury. We know that that's a challenging mm -hmm. one for athletes to come back from. 
Um, if he is, you know, kind of full go, I mean, we, we talked about Landon Collins at length last year. This is someone that's a perennial, you know, DB one. Um, yeah. And he could absolutely be that again. Um, you know, the, the other question is Cam Curl. I mean, Cam Curl stepped in and was like legitimately awesome in his role. Yeah. Cam Curl's still on the team. Like, what are they going to do with those guys? I mean, Landon Collins, I mean, Giants fans will tell you, don't put Landon Collins at free safety. That's a horrible idea. Um, this is not yeah. someone you want to be patrolling any part of the field, but definitely not the deep part of the field. <laughs> Just put him up in the box, let him hit people. That's what he's good at. Um, I don't know if Cam Curl can play free safety. Um, if he can, I'm assuming that's their plan. Um, yeah. But but if it's not, you know, are they going to rotate those guys to try to keep Landon Collins fresh? If that's the case, then all of a sudden that would really kind of, you know, nerf both of their values. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that situation week one to see how they deploy all those guys. I think if Cam Curls at free mm-hmm. safety and if Landon Collins is up in the box, then yeah, Landon Collins will smash um, like he always does, you know, because he's a he's a really good player, and when you get him up there, he's a he's a heat seeking missile. Um, the one that I want to talk about in terms of smashing the button is Curtis Samuel, and I think this will lead to some good discussion because I don't think Brandon is on the same page with me on Curtis Samuel. Um, so don't get me wrong, I'm I'm certainly not going out on a limb here and saying that I think Samuel is going to finish as high as he did in Carolina last year. I think he was like around wide receiver 24 last year, if I remember correctly. Um, he's not going to finish that high, but at the same time, um, you know, they've got him at wide receiver 49 is where he's going. That feels disrespectful. <laughs> um, I mean, this is a super talented player. Um, and you know, they, they brought him to Washington and gave him a sizable contract for a reason. I mean, I think that they see him as a big part of this offense. And even if they deploy him the way they did in Carolina, I still you know, as long as he remains healthy, we know he's had kind of his own issues um, staying on the field this preseason. Um, I mean, but it, if you assume health with Curtis Samuel, I I just don't see a way that he could possibly finish close to wide receiver 49. He's going to get highly targeted by Fitzpatrick. I mean, you, you got to remember that Fitzpatrick, everywhere he's ever been, he locks onto two players. That's just, this is who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Um, and, you know, we remember kind of the cutesy sign that he had, you know, that Washington did. And um, he said that uh, on his first day of school, his friends were Terry and Curtis. You know, like I think Fitzpatrick already knows who the two guys are that he's about to lock onto. Um, and Curtis Samuel is one of them. I mean, I think Terry McLaurin absolutely deserves to be going where he is. I think McLaurin's going to be incredible. But I think people are forgetting about Curtis Samuel. I mean, Curtis Samuel to me is a locked and loaded wide receiver three, you're getting him as a wide receiver five, you know, like that's pretty awesome value mm-hmm. at the end of your draft. So um, I will be very excited to have some Curtis Samuel in my life. Yeah. for And Curtis Samuel's the one guy that I'm running from. And again, I'm not with the way that I, I really like Washington offense, Washington's offense. And I like their team as a whole. And the only reason I have Curtis Samuel as my running is just based on he's probably the one that I drafted the least and it's just because of how the draft has fallen for me to the point where I'm like okay I already have Antonio Gibson I already have Terry McLaurin I have Logan Thomas I have some combination 
of those players, like, I can't also add Curtis Samuel. Like, I can't start the entire Washington offense. Like, but you can try. <laughs> I can try, but, like, and, and and I think that's the one thing that I'm just, I'm hesitant on is, I think Curtis Samuel's incredibly talented. I liked what he was doing in Carolina. I felt like he was used the wrong way for the first couple of years he was in the league, and then they finally figured out how to deploy him in, in an offense and be successful. I feel like he's just lower on the pecking order. Like I feel like it's still Terry McLaurin is going to get a majority of the work, and, and rightfully so. Like He's just incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. And then you have Antonio Gibson, and you have, again, we keep coming back to J.D. McKissick. I feel like he's going to be the thorn in everyone's side. Like They're going to get targets. Logan Thomas is going to be heavily, heavily targeted. Like how they use Curtis Samuel and like what his workload is, I haven't been able to figure out. And I'm not saying that's a bad player. I'm just saying like, I I don't see how it works. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm staying away from Curtis Samuel. I feel like these other players have more defined roles and I can see how they fit in this offense. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, so the, you know, the, the one player that, I mean, we didn't even, I think really talk about him. And I don't think he, he's one that we need to spend a lot of time on, but I, I think the odd man out here, unfortunately, is Deami Brown. I mean, I think Deami Brown is yeah. going to play very sparingly. You know, you're probably going to see Humphreys in the slot. Um, and then it'll be Samuel and McLaurin out wide. And, you know, I mean, certainly Fitzpatrick will, will feed Humphreys some. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. but, but we can even remember to his days in, Tampa, his days with the Jets, even his days with the Bills. I mean, this is someone that that loves to look downfield. He loves to fire it downfield, you know. And I think that's yep. where he's going to find Curtis Samuel, and it's where he's going to find um, Terry McLaurin, you know. And and that's, I guess, the one maybe saving grace, if you will, about the way Carolina previously used um, Curtis Samuel is they were actually sending him downfield. The you know the all the success he found last year, he had very low average average depth of target um they were trying to use him in more gadgety ways which i think is a smart way to use curtis samuel um but with ryan fitzpatrick as your quarterback you probably don't want to be the gadget guy <laughs> you want to be going downfield yeah because that's where fitzpatrick wants to go and i think that's where samuel is going to be so um i'm definitely interested in samuel um, the, the one that I'm actually running screaming from is Jameen Davis. So I was always a little bit leery of this one. Yeah. Um, I understand the draw. And I think for, for um, dynasty purposes, Jameen Davis is super interesting because mm-hmm. the, the athleticism is absolutely off the charts on this guy. But he's not someone that played a ton at Kentucky. Um, and, you know, he really is at this point more athlete than linebacker. Um, you know, we, we know that linebacker is a cerebral position. Um, and at the NFL level, it's not just running and chasing guys sidelines to sideline. Um, I think that he could have gotten away with that if he was in like Houston or one of these places where like winning is not the primary objective, but Washington's mm-hmm. a really good team, you know, and like we've always kind of told you on, on this podcast that, um, we're leery of rookies on winning teams because if the rookies don't catch on quickly the coaches are going to move on because like they're trying to win football games um and i think that's what makes me very nervous about jameen davis out of the gate is that you know 
Cole Holcomb and John Bostic are unspectacular football players, um, but they know what they're yeah. doing. They've been in the system. They can be trusted. Um, and, you know, for a, a team like Washington, I think they're going to value that way more, you know, than the, the raw potential and athleticism of Jameen Davis. So um, I, I'd be happy to be wrong on this one, but I'm nervous that we're not going to see a whole lot of Jameen Davis early on. Um, and maybe if he comes along faster than I think he will, then maybe we'll yeah. see a true three down like wrecking ball at some point this year. Um, but barring injury, I think you're going to see a lot of Cole Holcomb and John Bostic. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this. I was very high on Davis early on, um, and, and I was very high on Davis up until the preseason, and then I saw that he really wasn't getting much playing time, and I have now reevaluated what I think he can do this year. I think that I think it's going to be a slow burn. And I think to your point about Dynasty, yes, I think Davis is a great pick. Dynasty, I think he's going to have long-term value. For me, it feels like it's drawing a comparison to what Ron Rivera did with Shaq Thompson. As like Shaq Thompson was a safety converted to a linebacker, but they have that just athletic profile where both of them had to kind of learn the position. And and I know when Shaq Thompson was with the Panthers, they had Luke Keekley, they had Thomas Davis. Like playing time... Washington does not have Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. No one's going to confuse Cole Holcomb and John Bostic for those linebackers. But to your point, like I think that if they they may rely on the veterans to kind of move him along, so like that playing time early may be hard to come by. So for me, Davis is one that I'm probably going to stay away on. But I'm going to keep a very close eye on. If I start to see those snap counts increase as we get further into the season, like he could be a priority waiver claim for me because he, if he wins that job and if he is that starting middle linebacker, like he has very high end value, and I think that he could be like a low end. LB1, high-end LB2. Like, I think it's really, that's the ceiling for him. Um, So I think he, I I like your call-up. Like, I just don't think he's someone you can draft, but I think you need to watch him throughout the year. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you. Um, You know, worst-case scenario is we're looking at, like, Willie Gay Part 2. I mean, we remember we were super excited about Willie Gay last year, um, mm-hmm. And it just kind of never, never happened on a Kansas City team that was trying to win games. Willie yeah. Gay wasn't ready, you know, so he was getting like 30% of the snaps. Um, I mean, to be fair, Willie Gay was like a third round pick. Um, so, I mean, with the, yeah. the draft capital, I think there's more incentive for Washington to probably want to get Jameen Davis on the field. So we'll see if that kind of pushes it over the top. But of course, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep you kind of um, up to date with all that as the season's moving through. And I think they will get him on the field. Like, I just don't think that because they want to try to get him experience and move him along because he was a first round pick. And you kind of have to move that process along and, and force it along almost. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be startable. I want to say probably for this first six, seven weeks, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, so so I, I think you already got into this a little bit, but hit us with your hot take for the Washington football team. 
Yeah, Antonio Gibson finishes as a top six running back this year. Like I, just, I love it. I don't see how this doesn't come to fruition with a average quarterback. Like I feel like I'm not, and that's not a knock on Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's just the quarterback play last year was awful for Washington, and, and now that you have someone who's serviceable, like. It's gonna just it's gonna open up everything for Antonio Gibson, and I really think that he's going to have a lot of value this year. I think he's gonna have a great year. Um, so for me, he's a top six running back. I love it. I I wish I had your confidence. I mean, I I know I've talked on this this pod, and and certainly off air, Brandon knows I've talked a lot about Antonio Gibson. He he knows the love I have for Antonio Gibson. <laughs> um, you know, I I guess I I think my worry is at least from everything I've been seeing. I just don't think J.D. McKissick is going anywhere. And and if J.D. McKissick is that, that passing down back, and and on top of that, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not Alex Smith. Um, and although that's a very good thing for football terms, for the running backs, <laughs> like the, the safety of Alex Smith dumping it off 15 times a game is just a wonderful thing fantasy-wise <laughs> for mm-hmm. running backs. Um, that's absolutely not going to be there with Fitzpatrick. It's not to say that he's not going to target the running backs, just not nearly as prolifically as Alex Smith. Um, it, it makes me nervous that Antonio Gibson isn't going to really have any kind of like a real target share in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if that's the case, it's so hard to get up into that top six running back. You know, you have to basically, like Derrick Henry, you have to have a ridiculous number of touchdowns, which he could. Antonio Gibson's ridiculously talented. You know, we saw in particular in that Thanksgiving game what he can do to a defense. I mean, he's just, he's a special, special athlete. Um, so I'll be rooting for this one to happen. Um, I I don't see it, um, but I want it to happen <laughs> because <laughs> Gibson is just tremendous. Um, and it, you know, and I've said this off air, I'll, I'll say it on air right now. Um, I, I don't think that the McCaffrey comparisons are crazy. And what I mean by that is like, I think if they actually chose to give Gibson the full workload, so like, yeah. you know, like McCaffrey, um, basically leave him out there for 95% of the snaps. Um, this could be the RB one. He's, he's absolutely mm-hmm. that talented. Um, it just, you know, it, from what I've been seeing and what I've been reading, it doesn't feel like they're there yet. Maybe they'll get there. Um, it, it just hasn't felt um, like they're there quite yet. That's fair. But maybe maybe someday. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully this and year. And it will be glorious. <laughs> it yeah. will be absolutely glorious. Um, <laughs> because this guy is like a true unicorn like adjusted speed score which is like a a measure of like your speed based on your height and weight and things like that this guy's like a 99th percentile speed score athlete i mean he's a true freak um so it would be just wonderful (laughs) to see them fully (laughs) unleash antonio gibson um even as a giants fan i will i will willingly accept (laughs) because it would just be (laughs) excuse me so fantastic to see that um so with that that wraps up the nfc east we've got a couple more nfc divisions to go um to wrap up our divisional previews uh and as we had mentioned earlier we'll bring you a little bit more content before we get things started um 
as we're uh, you know coming in on the weekend here, we we certainly hope that you all enjoy the final week of the preseason games, kind of in preparation for your drafts, in preparation for week one of the season. Um, so have a great weekend for Brandon Cross. I'm Matt Jordan. We will talk to you soon.